Say that podcast for your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I am your host in the city of Chicago. And joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I'm being fueled by banana flavored soda right now. Wow. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. We didn't plan this, but I'm eating an actual banana. So, you know, we've kind of got all ends of the nutritional spectrum covered. Yeah. Seems like a long way to go for banana flavoring. Yeah, well, you know. Glenn's getting in a very streamlined manner. <laughs> yeah. It's like a banana punching you in the face <laughs> wow it's one angry banana yeah also joining us all the way from Rutgers, tennessee one of the pastors of christ community church lee younger i am being fueled by blind ecclesiastical rage wow wow that is the most sedate kind of rage but a rage nonetheless i think what lee may be referring to is we we bring you this episode in the midst of a magical season because mm. oh. When this episode comes out, we'll be only a scant couple of weeks away from everyone's favorite holiday. Wow. Gripesgiving. Ooh. Gripesgiving yes. is no kidding my favorite day <laughs> of the entire calendar year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That is not a joke. Now, traditionally, we up here, and you, you keep gripesgiving your heart in your own way, but we celebrate that on the Friday after the Thursday of Thanksgiving. So right. we're starting to get in the mood. We're starting to prepare. Now, maybe for people who might be unfamiliar, Tell them about the most glorious holiday there ever was in the history of mankind, known as Gripesgiving. Yes, uh, it is, as you may have uh, told, been able to tell from the very humble description, a Glenn Fitzgerald invention. Right. Uh, <laughs> Gripesgiving. So on thir- on the Thursday, you know, you you, you got to give thanks, and that's the thing. Right. You're, most people who are doing that are surrounded by their family who they hate, yeah. wearing clothes that are kind of itchy, yeah. and eating turkey that uh, is a bit lacking. And sometimes so, it's a little dry. So Glenn thought, you know what the world needs? Well, not the world as much as the miscreants around here need, and that's an honest holiday. Mm, yeah. And that's some gripes-giving, because you get out your thanks, and, you know, what, why do you want to get out your thanks? That's sure. Right. You got to get, what you got to get out is your gripes. You got to purge them. That's right. So um, as we speak, I'm sure... Uh, I'm sure someone, maybe Miss Tasha, is fashioning a bowl of wrath right yes. now. <laughs> and what you do is you write down your gripes. Yep. And you put them in the bowl of wrath. And then one by one, they're drawn. Yep. And whoever put it in there just has the floor. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And we eat uh, really terrible, not in any way nutritious or wholesome food. Yes. Yeah. And we have like our own food traditions that yep. go with gripes giving that are served every year. Yep, and I'm sure as most people at their own family gripes giving do, you know, we have our, our own traditions. Pete's yep. famous rage chips. Yep. Dude, I'm looking forward to rage chips. Homemade yeah. rage chips. Yeah. And this gripes giving 2017 will be a very special gripes giving because mm. this gripes giving will come on the 500th anniversary of really, I think what we could say is historically may have been the first gripes giving. Wow. Okay. It happened in the fall. It was a an airing of grievances, to be sure. Yeah. And that would be the Protestant Reformation. Ooh. Ah. 1517, obviously, Martin Luther nails the 95 Theses to the door. And what are the gripes giving? What mm. is the Bowl of Wrath containing? If not, our own theses, if you will. Right. You know, he had gripes the church. We had gripes about the church. So I think I'm going to declare... A gripes-giving emergency. Wow. Whoa. It's and like now, a pregame. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It's also, um, we can only share so much of the actual gripes-giving on the podcast, because gripes-giving gets raw. It's y'all. very, very vulgar. We will not be sharing our personal gripes yeah. on the podcast, because people listen to the podcast. Yeah. But 
in a sense of joviality and in a sense of thematic. Now, obviously, the original Gripes Giving was about the church. You know, old Marty had some had some thoughts, had some things he didn't like, things he thought they could be done better. I think if you listen to the show for any amount of time, you may have guessed that your old friends on the Say That podcast as well have some thoughts about the way the church runs. Right. So, if gentlemen, I, th- I think it's a good as a good warm up round. You know, specific to church stuff, to Christian stuff. If we're going to nail something out of the bowl of wrath onto the door of Christian culture in general, where would we go? Glenn, you want to start us off? Well, here's what I'd like to say, and I'm going to I'm going to start with the original. I'm going to do a gripe about the first gripe. Nice meta gripe. Here's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Gripe's Is, weird. Uh, Martin Luther he puts the things on the door, or whatever. Now. As people may know, we we deal with the Lutherans as part of our yeah. uh, our day job, and those dudes have been walking around all year, arrogant as all get out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, check us out. We're we got the thing. We nailed it to the thing. We're the best of the best. Everybody's talking about us. We're coming up in the world, and it's like you know what? It, it, it's not you know. It's not, it's not even like that. It's not like that. I mean, you know, that was that, that was a that was a while ago. You can't just you can't be writing that five hundred years later. And then off of that, sure, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to the uh, BBC. They have a, a podcast. They do sure, I- and they're they're talking about well, you know, we had our own rev- reformation in England that was mostly about you know uh, sexy time. But, yes, you yes, know, uh, well put. But we had our own reformation, so don't make it be like you know you guys. Are, so everybody trying to grab credit here. Okay, so I'm, you think that violates the joyous spirit of grab skin? Yeah, just forget it, man. Yep, I think it's I think it's good. Jed, care to care to go next here? Well, you know, the world has changed in the last five hundred years. Yeah, uh, controversial statement, uh, if true. Airplanes, uh, all, all oh. kinds of things. But one thing I think really stands above the rest, and that is the invention of electric lights. Okay. See, there was a time when uh, we had daylight and we had candles. Sure. That was true in the year of our Lord, 1517, so it made sense to have our church gathering in the morning. Because you know what? Ah. We got light. So, you know, but now, and really for quite some time now, we've had this thing called electric lights. Oh. So we can do things any time of the day we want. Yeah. Anytime. Like a convenient time. Like a convenient time. Like a time you would want to do this. Like a time you would want to do this. Hmm. Church establishment, enough with the morning services. <laughs> what is wrong with you people? But we have electric lights. There's nothing holy about mornings. Super, super not. Yeah. Seriously. We, we got to throttle back with the morning thing. And I'm addressing particularly my Midwestern brethren here for a second. Hello. Because I grew up in a land with civilization right. where you would have a Saturday night church service, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe a Friday night church service. Yeah. That basically doesn't exist in the Midwest. Right. I don't know what is wrong with these people. Yeah, just stop it. <laughs> but just stop it. Stop. stop it right now. Stop. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. If... Glenn and Jed had nailed up the original 95 Theses, that would have been in between everyone. Right. Stop. Indulgences, stop, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Pable, stop it. We just, if, if we could have a rolled up newspaper, we'd just hit <laughs> people Swap people it. on the nose. Yeah. Stop it. Coming to a pastoral counseling appointment near you. Thank you. Get down from there. <laughs> and uh, Lee, why don't you hit us up? Attention, mega church pastors. Oh, boy. 
Meet uh, with your people. Oh. I can't meet with all of them. Oh. You don't take <laughs> meetings me. with your people. Oh my! Goodness. I can't drink this much coffee. Meet <laughs> with your people. Talk to them about their problems. Oh, wow. They go to your church. You won't meet with them. <laughs> they call me because guess what? I meet with people. Yeah. Your people. Yeah. Meet with your people, please. <laughs> Now, Lee, it sounds like you are pastoring these yeah. people in that you are shepherding their lives and their spiritual growth. Interesting. So then the megachurch pastor isn't really a pastor per se. Yeah. More of just a public speaker. Yeah. Well, they're, and they're getting something out of that. I can't mm. quite think of what it is. Probably making them famous. Well, they're also in, in charge of uh, designing laser shows and cable cam. Well, well those, those laser shows they can design themselves, bro. Yeah, that's hey. uh, you had to have a vision. Yeah, so the, the, this doing. is no lie, and this is a this is a uh, this is a sidecar rant. But yeah. um, we recently had to do a meeting in a in a thing in kind of a a satellite campus uh, of a of a pretty big church. And we we went in and up on the stage where the band plays, there were these kind of uh, there was like these uh, like wooden posts that had like strips of LED lighting on them, you know. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and and it was it was actually so bright. They were kind of all around the drum set and the keyboards and the microphone stands and stuff like that. There was seven or eight of these things. It, they were so bright that I was like, I felt like a like a migraine coming on, and okay. and but there was no band playing, there was no service or anything like. There, these things are just on, and I thought I really couldn't do this. Like I, I don't know if I'm like the it was like the old man get off my lawn, you kids turn sure, your yeah. music down or whatever. Yeah. But and you know I'm you know I'm not I'm not like I'm not like the young guy that I was when I was playing in bands in college and stuff like that. But I the my thought was like I actually can't be in this room. Yeah. Unless someone turns those LEDs off, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> All right. I, th- I th- here's here's this is a general one, and I just want to hear. I just want this to go out to the people of the world. Okay. And they will they will internalize this, and then make my life easier. And I think this applies to everyone on the podcast. I am not in competition with you people. Mm. Okay. Just if I if you ask something about me, and this comes out as all for us to do some pretty cool stuff. And uh, you say the thing, I say, well, we did this and that and the other. That is not an invitation for you to talk about how you do cool stuff, too. Ah. Right. Because I didn't start this. Right. I didn't come on this. It's not that we don't think the things you do are neat. They are. They are. It's just that we're very tired. Yeah. (laughs) I think that applies to really... All the Christian, if if if, if I, I will say one here for our friends who are church uh, preachers, um, right. if the preacher says something and that's a nice thought and helps you, say that's a nice thing that helped me. Here's what you don't do: say I read a book about that once. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. <laughs> this brings us to the all time, which is our friend Jameson. Yeah, who once after worship at the bridge told one Jed Brewer, who had led the worship, oh, man. who had written the songs of the worship. This is one of my favorites. Walked up to Jed, stood beside him and said, I enjoy worship music. Thank you. You yeah. know, I play worship music. 
He didn't say I liked that. I like your worship music. You didn't say the bridge was good. Jameson does worship music too. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the thing, Jameson, and Jameson's the world. You're making it impossible for me to celebrate your thing. Yeah. Because you've wedged it into this conversation in such an odd way. Yeah. So you're you're literally inviting me to ask you about you doing (laughs) praise and worship, which you have not done here. So that I can tell you how good it is, even though I haven't heard you do it. <laughs> like, what? in what world are you... Li- Look, it's not a competition. So just, you know... Dude, or, we can all relax. Or you could just win and leave me out of it. <laughs> there you I'd go. I'd love I, that. That's the thing. I'm willing to let you win. You say, right. I do cool stuff too. You say, I bet you do. I bet it's way cooler than what I do. I'm just going to lay down. Yeah. 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 If we could give them like a, a medal or a badge or something, that's it. You've won competition's over. And this is why I could not have been in charge of the original Reformation, because I would have gone straight to surrender just out of just out of right. tiredness. Exhaustion. There would have been no fleeing. <laughs> right. There would have tiredness. been no died of worms. Been like, we no. Like, hey, okay, that's fine. Yeah, it's whatever. Keep hey, open. Hey, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I reformed things too. Really? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I reformed a lot of things. <laughs> I'm now envisioning a guy going up right behind Luther with his one thesis, but just tacking that up too. Yeah. Okay. So we're all we're, we're all putting stuff on the door today, huh, guys? Yeah, yeah. And, and here's the thing. This is also a true story that something happened very recently. A very highly placed member of a well-known denomination was at the bridge, and he was there. And he, <laughs> to be fair, he loved it. He thought it was great. Sure. He was nothing but nice. Super nice guy. Super nice guy. In the first five minutes, maybe three minutes, is talking about his PhD and all the things <laughs> no. that he did that were amazing. And it's like, oh, and I'm literally just looking at the guy like, okay, I see, and that, sure. that's the real evil of it. What do you want out of me? That's right. Yeah, just what tell you, me what reaction I'm supposed to have. Right. You know, I, I want you to have a pleasant interaction, but <laughs> right. you're at a church <laughs> in a war zone <laughs> right. where this, where the man you're talking to is about to have to do a sermon and maybe right. throw drunks out. Yeah. And what do you want me to say about your PhD, yeah. friend? Yeah, <laughs> you know I don't care. That's that's thing number one. Thing number two is if if it makes if it's impressive to you. What do you care what I think? <laughs> Thing number three is just tell me what I got to do to get out of this. You know, sure, you're great, you're great, it's so great. And of course, I'm saying that I, he could tell I'm lying. I'm like, yeah, no, sure. you're great. You know, oh, wow, okay. Because uh, the I eBay, you need the eBay buy it now price. Yes, yes. yes. just the bail. Yes. Yeah. Well, how much positive reinforcement does it take to get yeah. out of this conversation right now? Hey, hey, Matt. Yeah. You know, I have a podcast too. Are you referring to this podcast? I I, I also have a podcast. I like podcasts. It's pretty great. <laughs> okay. Well, in that case, so we can get to the podcast that Jed <laughs> is so very proud of. I will declare emergency off. Wee! <laughs> Listen, here's what I'm saying, fellas, as we go to the the pitch here. Uh, we're all winners. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Now, I'm more of a winner than all of y'all are, but we're all winners. Clearly. Right. Sure. Right. So let's keep that in mind. It seems good. Of all the winners, I'm the most winner. But, you know, it's not a competition. You're the winnerist. That's right. Yeah. If it was a competition, maybe you would have won in historical seven-game fashion. That's right. It's not, so it's, it's no big deal. But if it was, who's to say? Yes, if you want to... Uh, 
be part of the solution, I think. Ah. So here's the thing about Gripesgiving is it's necessary to our sanity because yep. bless them. We love the people, but the people are driving us crazy. But we don't just gripe. You can't just gripe 23 or 65 days a year. That's the time we're trying to help the people. So we do things like we put out Bridgebox. Mm. And not only that, we do the things that Bridgebox helps support. Yes. We help folks hook up folks with jobs. We help hook up folks with uh, with housing and whatnot. Uh, Glenn helps many pastors who are the reason for his stress and yeah. poor eating habits. But he helps them. <laughs> God bless right. them. That's right. Uh, we our deacons who are doing fantastic work. Uh, they are funded entirely by our Bridgebox support. The work uh, that Lee does down there, both producing music and with folks, the young folks here in Tennessee. Those many cups of coffee that Lee is buying because other pastors won't pastor their people. And again, that that does call into question the title of pastor because uh, you know those um, keynote speakers slash booksellers. Yes. Talk They're effective people? communicators, man. Yes, yes, those communicators. TED Talkers. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, Glenn, Glenn, Lee, Jed, all these men, they have to buy many cups of coffee because there are other people in the, the kingdom who aren't doing their job. You know how they are able to do that? Bridgebox. Ooh, Bridgebox supports wow. many cups of coffee. So you can sign up, only $8 a month, and I don't buy coffee, but I assume that buys you like eight cups of coffee, right? That depends where to buy them. <laughs> Uh, $8 a month, missionusa.com slash bridgebox, the number one way that folks who like the podcast can support the work we do. All right, we're going to jump to our first question here. If you have this all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways to get in touch with this. First question comes in, and it says, I know I need to give my will over to God, but sometimes it feels so difficult. Even though I know some of my actions are destructive to others and myself, I can be pretty selfish about the whole thing. It's my problem, and I own it. But still, I just have a problem giving up my will where do I begin to change this, and why do you think this is so hard for me? An excellent question, and Lee, if you'd be willing, why don't you start us off? Yeah, I'd love to. I, I'll, I'll tell you this. It makes perfect sense to me. Um, what, when you say, I have trouble giving up my will, well, uh, then we should hang out. That's uh, that's the way I feel about it, too. I, I have all the things that I want to do, and if anybody has other ideas than that, well, I don't think that sounds very good. Um, if, if I that was how, such a good idea, I would have come up with it. Yeah, exactly. I, I know how I want this day to go. And if you want it to go another way, well, you have now uh, let me down. Um, and, and that's the thing is that I think we all sense that, that, that God has some opinions, you know, that if, if I'm going to let Jesus into my life, he's got some opinions about how this thing is supposed to run. And it is only natural for me to feel like, I'm uh, I'm not so sure about that uh, I, I, because I don't know that Jesus hooks people up. Uh, th- doesn't Jesus make people wait? And isn't there all this kind of suffering and character building and uh, things that sound really unappealing? You know, and, and and so it all that all makes perfect sense to me. And 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 I think that's kind of one of the the lifelong struggles of what it means to have a a, a spiritual life is that. I'm I'm trying to learn how to 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 hand my will over to God. Here's the thing that I would say is what we want to do is recognize that is a natural feeling to feel like I I don't know how to give my will over. Here's the supernatural feeling. The supernatural feeling is to go to God, be honest about that, and say, um, "But what am I missing by only wanting to hook myself up?" Because here's the really cool thing that we don't really believe about Jesus that actually winds up being true, is that he wants to hook you up more than you want to than you know how to hook yourself up. So what Jesus yeah. told people was, he said, I came 
that they might, and, and the way that we would, if we were to answer that, if we were to finish that sentence naturally, we would say, you came to kill all of my joy and take all of my toys away. That's what you came to do, right? You came to make everything uh, boring or everything less cool and more lame. That's, that's what Jesus came for, right? But what he said was, he said, I came that they might have life and have it to the full. Um, when people didn't have any food to eat, he made so much food that everybody ate and was satisfied, and then they had 12 basketfuls of leftovers to take home and keep on munching on on the way home to tell everybody about it. So that's that's the way that God treats us is, is that he wants to give you better than you could give yourself. He wants to hook you up more than you would hook yourself up or that you would know how to. So the supernatural thing is to push past those natural feelings and say to the Lord, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to run an experiment. I'm going to do things my way, and then I'm going to honestly talk to you about how that went. That is a thing that basically never happens. That if I honestly, if I really do things my way, I don't want to talk to anybody about how that went. What I want to do is I want to go to all my friends and say, dude, that was lit. What we just did this weekend, it was on. It was, we about to have the littest weekend you've ever, and what you actually have is a really boring situation in a noisy room where everybody feels like they're slightly sick, and we Party! all lie about it the whole time. Yeah, and that's the whole <laughs> no. thing. And so that, that's, that's the whole thing is we can't honestly talk about the fact that me hooking myself up has, it's basically never gone well. I, I don't, I've never figured that out the whole time. And so then I go to the Lord and say, what am I missing out on? What if it's true that I'm shortchanging myself and that you want to hook me up even more than that? Show me the first step on that and, and, and see uh, if if we can figure out whether or not Jesus was was for real about how he wants to give you an abundant life, that he wants to not only satisfy, but have leftovers for you to take home to tell other people about. Let's start with being honest about the fact that we're not really hooking ourselves up and then ask God, okay, what am I missing out on? Show me how to get hooked up with that. Yeah, I think that's a really fantastic place to start us off. That was a lot of really good stuff. And Joe, I'd love to go to you here because I think when we hear big and churchy phrases like uh, turning over my will or you know submitting myself or losing my life and all that stuff, which none of those are things to be made fun of. Those are all go- actually good things and, yeah, yeah. and good goals. But when we hear those talked about in uh, kind of big churchy ways, I wonder if we may get a sense of a false sense of what doing this would feel like yeah. and how that might affect us. And I wonder if we can break that down. Absolutely, absolutely. Here's the thing. There are huge, huge spiritual implications with all this, but I think we need to pull the camera back a bit and start with stuff that's a bit more just human. Um, And the first thing that we want to look at is to recognize that nearly everybody, nearly all the time, make their decisions based on their emotions, based on how they feel. Uh, Plenty of people want to think that they, they look at the facts and they use their logical brain, and they think it real hard, and then they make a choice. Hashtag facts, not feelings. Oh. Yeah. But nearly everybody makes decisions based on how they feel. People make decisions based on their emotions. And in fact, I would argue that the more people talk about how logical they are, the more driven by emotion they are. Yeah. Um, just just as, as food for thought. Okay, given that, here's here's the problem. Life, and again, there's there's big spiritual implications, but this applies to a lot of non-spiritual stuff too. Plenty of things um, that, actually, I would argue very few things that feel right will work well. And that most things that really are going to work well, 
Uh, very few of them feel right when you start. Let, let me give you an, an example of what I mean. Um, it's not fair to call me the world's worst golfer because I don't I don't golf at all. Uh, but right. Glenn has taken me out a few times. He stopped because I was that level of bad. It depressed me. Yeah, it should. <laughs> and what what feels right to me is I'm just going to take this club and I'm just going to swing as hard as I possibly can yeah. and just knock that ball out of the galaxy. Yeah. That feels right. Yeah, you just flail at it with all you've got. Exactly right. That, that 100%, that feels like that's the thing I should do. That is not the thing you should do. No. Right. That will not work right. at all. Uh, conversely, Glenn has, has shown me in intricate detail, here are all the things that you should do that will 100% work. They, right. they will actually get the result that you want. Well, those don't feel right at all. Yes. Those feel weird and foreign yeah. and I hate them. Yeah. All right. Well, what's, what's true in golf is true in most of life. Again, most of life works that way. The stuff that will actually get you the results that you want doesn't feel like it would work. It doesn't feel like the solution that you should take. Mm-hmm. And the stuff that you just intuitively feel like this is the way to go, it, it won't actually work. It, it won't do what you want. And, and I bet you can imagine how that starts to cause us problems in the spiritual realm because that's true there too. One more bonus point though, and I think this is really worth looking at because I think this is a, a particular problem for the age that we live in today is we are saturated in all kinds of arenas of life with media representations of how things work that just aren't accurate. They, yes. they, they just aren't true. And so we have these really strong narratives in our head. I, I'll give an example of what I mean. One of the biggest problems with <sighs> pornography, which almost never gets talked about by Christians, is that pornography doesn't look anything like what actual sex between two people who love each other looks like. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, just mechanically. Right. That's, yeah. that's not how this process works. Or even right. two people who know each other. Or even two people who know each other. <laughs> or two people who like each other. Or two people who like each other. I mean, if you... Look, here, here's... it's We've all watched naughty things, so uh, the pretending dies now. Um, if you attempt to replicate half of what you've seen in naughty things online, you will hurt yourself. Right. That's that. Right. This is not what sex looks like. This is right. not how sex works. How'd you tear your hamstring, Mr. Johnson? <laughs> <laughs> One in a million shot, Doc. Similarly, uh, James Bond, super cool movies. That's not how espionage works. Right. That's not how intelligence gathering works. Right. Like at all. Not right. not even a little bit. If you watch Cake Boss, that's not how you run a bakery. That's that's yeah. not how running a bakery works. Not okay. not even a little bit. Not even close. Okay. All right. And now I assume I've never seen it, but I assume Cake Boss is mostly him running into other bakeries and knocking things over while screaming <laughs> Cake Boss. <laughs> is that not true? I want that to be true. I, I mean, for for those of us. For those of us who are slightly old, Captain Planet is not a documentary about effective environmental legislation. Speak for yourself, Jeb Brewer. (laughs) I have the power of heart. Um, But I think we live in an age, actually, where we forget that a lot. Like a lot, a lot. We, We think... Porn is sex. We, we think James Bond is espionage. We think Cake Boss is how you run a bakery. Yeah. And that causes us a lot of problems because all that stuff is kind of designed to reinforce what we feel is true rather mm. than what would actually work. And that's just as true in Christian, in Christian stuff and in Christianity as everywhere else. There's a ton of media stuff that feeds you an image of how Christianity should work that bears zero resemblance to what an actual walk with God looks like. And so not only do you have the normal, understandable thing of, I, 
I have an intuitive sense of how it should work and it's wrong, but you actually have a strong media narrative that's been fed to you of how it will work that's just meant to separate you from your money that bears no resemblance to the real thing. And you put all that together and it actually makes a lot of sense. It would be hard to surrender your will to God in your decision-making process to God because it's really super counterintuitive and none of it feels like what you think it should feel like. That's a fantastic point. And Glenn, I'd love to get you to build on that because I think one of the things... Uh, that people are fed that is wrong about this idea exactly as Jed is saying. And it's, it's definitely partly a manipulation to separate you from certain things, but it's also because this is just the way a lot of people who are in charge of stuff want to think this works, which is that uh, giving your will over to God is a thing. Right. It is an event. Right. And if you leave here on Sunday and you're still a schmuck, the problem is you did not uh, onboard the amazing brilliance of my sermon Right, right, and I'm yes, I am getting depressed thinking about how much what's true in golf is tr- is true in life would be successful as a sermon series that <laughs> right. someone has almost certainly tried. But if you did, if you right. didn't if you didn't give your will over God fully, it's because you didn't understand my analogy about how prayer is like chipping. Right. <laughs> so you got to come back again and try it next week. Yeah, you had yeah. a goal of giving your will to God, you failed. Yeah, but maybe the reality is it's a little bit of a step by step. It's a, it's a process now. Uh, what I think confuses us is when we pray the sinner's prayer, we say, Lord, I want you to come in and be Lord of my life and be in charge of my life, and I'm giving you control of my life. Um, what we're really doing there is submitting to a process of turning our will over to God. Right. Uh, and that process, uh, if you're working it, uh, you should feel good about it. Uh, it but it's you you start where 0.0% of your will is turned over to god and then like half of half of a percent gets turned over and then little by little we get somewhere you give god an annual raise <laughs> that's right <laughs> that's right it's a process uh, for everybody there's and i i think uh, uh as as these other fellows have suggested there's some people who are really great about giving God total control of this one area of their life. And this other area, you don't need to worry about that, Jesus. We're not going to deal with that. But this other area, look at how much control. Uh, you know, the, you know the, the, the person that wants to show you their uh, purity ring or sure. the person that wants to talk about how they gave their tithe to this thing and, you know, You'll probably be pretty impressed. I've given God complete lordship over my use of tobacco. Right. Yeah. I don't. I don't use tobacco. Well, and never, never really have. But. I've completely cut out all genocide. So <laughs> that's you know. <laughs> I've surrendered cannibalism to the Lord. Yeah. So I mean, you know, you know so let him have it. I'm not even doing that anymore. Yeah. Well, it's it's it, congratulations for doing the heck out of one thing, but it's it's the parts that still need work that that make or break our walk. Uh, and again, that is a process, and and it it's, it lasts for the rest of your life. Because here's a shocker: you won't die perfect. Yeah. So let's let's adjust our our thinking and our expectations to that reality. Um, but here's the thing: I want you to do is because I I'm with you as as Leah's saying I I'm I, I I'm headstrong and I want what I want. Uh, and if God wants something different, well, you know what? Uh, why don't we do it my way? <laughs> uh, but here's the here's the thing uh, I want you to do is to ask yourself, why do you want what you want? Yeah. Why? Why is this a thing? 
why do you want the career that you're chasing after now? Is it because this would make you the happiest thing in the world if you could do this thing and earn a living at it? Or are you thinking something more along the lines of, if I had this, I would have job security, and I'd never have to have faith, and I'd never have to go to God, I'd never have to ask Him for anything again, and I could be totally self-reliant, and I could be an island, and I could be totally self-sufficient, and everybody would be impressed with me, and everyone would... And, you know, if that's why you want that career that you're, you're going after... You have to really look at whether that's uh, something you should be going for. Uh-huh. It, 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 uh, follow this through to the end. <clears throat> why, do you, why do you want this girl instead of this other girl to be your girlfriend? Is it because this one won't hold you as accountable and, and she seems like she would put up with a lot and I wouldn't have to improve myself, whereas this other one I'd have to measure up and I don't want to measure up? Once you start talking about why you want the thing you want, it starts to reveal <laughs> the, 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 the fault in our thinking. Yeah. And that's, that's where we, uh, when we're struggling to give our will over to God, that's the kind of stuff we need to get into in order to figure out how to get that done. You can, you can, give your, your, you can do it God's way when you realize your way is based on a lot of stupid thinking. Um. Finally, and I put it to you this way: uh, uh, you part of what you sound like to me is a, that you're a stubborn person. And the thing is, uh, I consider myself one of the most all-time stubborn people of ever. Jed's giving me a sarcastic really? look. <laughs> and here's the thing: my if joke you, is going to be that we try to tell him that's not true, but he keeps arguing with us. Right, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Uh, meta stubbornness here's what i'm telling you is if you know about yourself that you are stubborn be very careful where you point that yeah because you can be uh, stubborn and determined to do a thing for god no matter what which mm-hmm. is that that's that's who i am that's the the uh, I'm, I'm not having fun until it's uh, you know looks like everything's not going to happen because uh, i love being stubborn about it uh, but I need to not be stubborn about a lot in my life. So I had to point it where it belongs uh, to, to, to give myself determination to follow through on things that are important, but I have to point it away from things where it does not belong. I don't need to be stubborn about how I accomplish this thing for the Lord, because if it's not working now, I need to do it different. I don't need to be stubborn about doing things my way, because if I don't know how to do it, I need somebody else to tell me how they're doing it their way so I can do that better. So I have to focus that stubbornness where it belongs, and that may be a a big part of why you're having to struggle with this. I think it's a really, really good point. I think that kind of does go back to what uh, Jed is saying there um, and what Lee brought us up to about that kind of the emotional reality of that and not looking for this to be a one-time thing that feels right or I will no longer have struggles with all this stuff. And that part of that being a process that you're talking about, that stubbornness, I think a lot of this gets helped by if we define what your what it means to what your will is. Because you got to know what you're turning over here. Your will is, you know, the things you do. As you're saying, um, you know, people consider themselves strong-willed and all that stuff. If you think about what that means, as someone who you know puts her head down and accomplishes something, finishes something, that's that's great. But that's what we're turning over to God. So if you do something good, 
even if you have a bad attitude about it. And that's very, this is very good news for the people you hear on this podcast. That counts. Right. If you are a little reluctant about it, if you didn't think it was going to be a good idea, if you, but you still do something, anything that you are doing because in the best of your uh, listening ability, you think this is what God wants you to do. Massive breakthrough on the handing over your will. I think a lot of things folks think when they get, they will get to a point where they will be uh, happy about handing their will over to God. And maybe that happens. I'm certainly not there yet. I haven't met anyone who's actually handing their will over to God who's there yet. I get a lot of, well, there's what I want to do. And there's what God's going to make me do. And his way seems a lot less fun. Because, you know, I often think of the the story, you know, Peter and uh, saying, you know, should we rain down fire on them, O Lord? No. (laughs) There will be forgiveness and sacrifice. He'll be crucified. Can we try raining down fire on them? Come on, that's just my a will. little bit of hellfire. Sure, we haven't done. We've done a lot of forgiving. Mm-hmm. Let's just try raining down hellfire and see what happens. But there's that idea of uh, that. That dude was literally talking to Jesus. He was, you know, so that, you never you never have to stop trying to get away with it. Your will is what you eventually end up doing. That's the part we want to hand over to God. And that this idea yeah. of it being a process of you being honest, as as Lee is talking about, and landing in that way. So when you engage in that process, when you're okay with getting the things out like that, you're going to grow in that, and it's going to be kind of the quickest way to get there, even if that feels a little counterintuitive. We're going to jump to our second question here. This one came in to Uncle Glenn, mm. at the Uncle Glenn blog. It's oh. it's very popular. Really? Yes. Hmm. I celebrate that. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> I have a blog too. I was waiting for Jed to do that joke, but I did it myself. I have jokes. I have I have recurring bits too, Jed. Do, do oh, uh, well. That's good. I, I'm very happy for you. I do. I do them on the podcast. Well, like that, you do. I do. I do that. That that's good. I I I think your podcast is very good. I I like it. It's not the reaction I was looking for, Chad. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> we go on to our question that came at UncleGlenn.com. This one says, how do you know when you're ready to move on to another church? And Jed, why don't you start us off on this one? Well, I think the question that we want to ask, uh, which is very simple, is are your needs being met? That's, that's it. So you're, you're ready to move on to another barber when he is not cutting your hair to spec. Um, so, cause that's what a barber does. So you're, you're in. Uh, move- Frank, I, I celebrate that you think the perm is coming back, <laughs> but that's really not what I asked you to do. So similarly, if your barber's not barbering, time to move on. If your pastor's not pastoring, uh, time to move on. If your church isn't churching, it's time to move on. But that drives the question, do you know what your needs are? Because that's uh, we kind of can't evaluate it if we don't know that. So we would put that there are at least three basic things that a church is meant to do for you as a person who attends it in order for them to be doing their job as a church. So the first one, and this will sound like a churchy phrase, and I'll, I'll break it down, is a church is meant to feed you. A church, you might have heard people talk about being spiritually fed, and a church is meant to do that. Here, here's what that means, is um, God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life. And you wake up on Monday morning, and for the next six days, it's going to be an assault on that idea. Right. Everything in the world is screaming at you, there is no God, and if there was, he hates you. And that's, that's what you're getting six days out of the week. Uh, and that's wearing you down. That's, that's beating you down. That's, that's discouraging you. That, uh, your experience at church, I'm saying Sunday morning, but whenever, your experience at church is meant to remind you 
and encourage you that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. He has a purpose for your existence and work for you to do, and he's with you, and he believes in you, and he's got your back. It's meant to reinforce those ideas and build you back up and make you stronger and, and, and uh, put uh, meat back on your bones and strength back in your, in your muscles. And, and so that's what people mean when they talk about being fed. So, But now the question is, the church you're going to, does that happen? And the simple acid test is, do you leave feeling built up and encouraged? Mm -hmm. Do you leave feeling like you're ready to go another round? If you don't, particularly if you consistently don't, then no, you are not being fed. That's, that's thing one. Okay. Here's thing two is the church is meant to provide you with fellowship. Again, that's kind of a churchy word. Fellowship is just hanging out with other Christians. It's being around other people who get you. And it's kind of similar to the first thing. God loves you. It's a wonderful plan for your life. The vast majority of people in the world do not believe that. They don't believe that about them, and they don't believe that about you. And as you spend time around people who super don't believe that, that's they're kind of pulling you down. They don't even mean to, but that's just how it happens. They're kind of, you know, you're you're the lobster trying to get out of the pot, and they're pulling you back in. You got to be like us. You got to be despairing and, and lacking in all hope. Time around other Christians, and it doesn't even have to be spiritual stuff. It can be playing cards. That's fine. But it builds you back up because you're with people who who get you and who and who affirm the same things you affirm and, and who believe the same things you believe. And that makes you stronger. And it's a sense of being understood and appreciated. So the next question is, do you get fellowship from your church? Do you feel like these are people who get you and appreciate you and understand you're on the same page as you? The third thing is that a church is meant to provide a place for you to serve. Now, that may not happen at the church. They may organize a ministry that happens somewhere else, but church is meant to help you identify what your gifts are and find a way to use those gifts to further God's kingdom. That could be anything from ladling soup at a soup kitchen, uh, mentoring kids at Big Brothers Big Sisters. That could be helping in the nursery at the church. That could be volunteering with the youth group. That could be a part of the uh, outreach at the old folks' home. There's a million ways for that to happen. But again, you have gifts, you have abilities, and that church is meant to help you identify those and put them to work in helping other people come to know the love of God. So very simply, again, it's meant to feed you spiritually, It's meant to provide you with fellowship. It's meant to give you a place to serve. That's what a church is meant to do. So the simple question for you is, the church you're going to, is it doing those things? If the answer is no to all three, then yes, it is for sure time to find a new church right the heck now. If it is lacking in one of them, then I think we can look at, if it's super strong in the other two, maybe there's another way I can get that one fulfilled. You know, maybe it's a great church, but there's just no place for me to serve. Well, maybe we can get involved with a, a parachurch ministry, you know, a, a young life, the kind of stuff that we do and, and serve there. And that would make sense, again, if it's a church that's really exceptional in those other two. I feel so fed and, and so much fellowship and it's great. So I don't, I don't mind, you know, making that sacrifice on the other one and figure something out there. You still need a place to serve, so we can't just ignore that need. But, you know, that that would make sense. And I think there are people who find themselves in that position. Where most people find themselves just, you know, is I don't really feel fed. Not really, really. I don't really get much fellowship. And I don't really, really have a place to serve. That's bad. That's that's rough. That's, and that's something where... All of those needs, we want to get to a place where the answer is, heck yes, these needs are being met in my life. Um, Maybe your church, maybe there are ways to meet those needs more effectively right where you're at. And it's worth looking to see if that's possible. Um, 
But again, if you if you're saying on all three of those, the place I'm going right now does not do those things and isn't set up to do those things, then for sure it is time for you to move on and find a new church. Yeah, it's absolutely right. It's a lot of great stuff to start us off. And Lee, I'd love to go to you here. And one of the things, as you you mentioned uh, in the emergency, I'm so uncomfortable with things from the emergency bleeding over into the normal episode. Yeah. But here we are. Um, is it is true? Is that uh, your church down there uh, does a lot of picking up people who? Uh, left a church situation that wasn't doing those things Jed was talking about. Right. And one thing that is almost, when I've heard you and your boss talk about it, is almost universal is when they're breaking, when someone's breaking down what happened in their old church, it's almost it's always clear that they should have left so much earlier than they left. Mm. But when you've had a lot of these conversations with people. So what are some of these these red flags? And one thing I want to be clear about, we're not talking about what's a good church versus a bad church. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's an important conversation, but it's a different conversation. Now we're talking about a church that for whatever reason, I, I'm I'm going to move on from to something different. So someone who's had a lot of conversations with people say, we got to that point and we've looked back from that. Now that we're in a better church situation, what are some of those uh, commonalities that maybe come up over and over again? Yeah, I think one of those things is uh, is the feeling of being welcomed slash understood. Um, that... When I went there, people were glad that I was there. People invited me in. People wanted to know me. Uh, people, I, I felt like I was, I felt like I was understood when I was there. That, that's what people are looking for. People, um, and Jed's right. Those are the those. What Jed was breaking down. Those are the big three. The thing that it, a lot of times is going to make me feel like I belong here is. Um, do the people there give me the sense that they're glad I'm there? Yeah. Um, that that it matters that I'm in this place. Um, it, people are happy to see my face. Um, you know, one of the things that we talk about in our outreach ministry is we want to um, when when high school kids show up to what we're doing, and when we go to where they are, um, when we go to the school and we go to different different things where where the the kids that we're reaching out to where they are or when we do a chapel service uh behind bars whatever that thing is is that we want to greet people in such a way that they have no doubt in their mind man that dude he just just thinks I'm awesome he just loves being around me and i just feel so like I, I walk away from there feeling like, man, I must be kind of an important person. They're glad I'm here. And that's what people are looking for. Everyone, everyone is looking for a place that they belong. Mm-hmm. Everyone is looking for a tribe. Everyone is looking for a sense of belonging, a sense of, I don't have to be ashamed of myself here. I don't have to be embarrassed. I don't have to hide. Um, and one of the things that 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 we find a lot when people uh, come to us is, they just didn't feel like they were a part of anything. Uh, people want, you know, people that are walking with Jesus, they want to have something like, you know, the, the kingdom of God is moving, and I'm a part of that somehow. You know, so Jed's saying, like, you know, find a place to serve. Well, you know, we need to communicate, you know, churches communicate to people how they're a part of that. Um, I'll say this. The guys that the the guys that uh, are on staff on Mission USA, if you're if you get to a, like if you build a relationship with them where you are part of their monthly support, not just in and this is true in Bridgebox, but it's also true if you just support these guys monthly individually. 
in all of missions, they write the best monthly reports and and uh, and and newsletters and stuff like that, and they make you feel like, wow, I. Because I did this, I was a part of the kingdom advancing in these ways. This is what people are looking for when they're trying to walk with Jesus. They want a a sense of belonging. They want to know that people are glad that I'm here. And they want to be a part of the kingdom being built. And a lot of times when people come to us, they don't have any kind of sense of that stuff. They don't have a sense that anybody would miss them when they're gone. They don't have a sense of they they didn't really know what they were a part of. They kind of went to a concert every week. You know, and I've I've heard this so many times that that people come to us. We're you know our church is a small church, and so I'm always encouraging people to sing louder than they than they're singing, and you know, and sing louder and louder and louder throughout the service. And people tell us, you know, they'll, they'll give us the feedback that like, man, when I sing here, I really hear other people in the church singing. And what they're what and what they wind up telling us is, you know, at my old church. The music is turned up so loud, it doesn't matter if you sing or not. Uh, it's almost as if they don't care if you do. It's kind of like you're at a concert yep. or something like that. And here, every now and then, you guys just cut out all the instruments, the drums are still going, and we're all singing. And so you can't mask it. If people aren't singing, it's a letdown. So the whole room has got to be bringing it for us to be a part of this thing. And that's what people want to be a part of it. You know, the, the scriptures talk about the church being a family. And people are looking for that. Do you make people feel like they're part of a family? Um, if your church hasn't made you feel like you're, you are an integral part of this family, and we're advancing the kingdom of God, and your singing matters, and your giving matters, and your face and your smile being here, all that matters. People want that sense of, of, uh, of value, of, of importance, and family. And, uh, and if you're not getting any of that, let's look around till we find it, man. Really, really, really good stuff. And Glenn, I'd love to get you to, to close us out here. This question, as I said, did come into you, and you've actually answered this question quite a few times on the blog over the years. So mm-hmm. what would you add to the discussion we've already had? Well, I think first and foremost, uh, as these other fellows are saying, generally speaking, by the time people ask us, is it time to leave? It's right. past due time to leave. So we have a way of saying, yeah, go before we hear all the facts of, you know, whether this is uh, a good idea or not. Uh, I I want to talk, I want to circle back to to why that is in a second, but I think one of the main problems that people have with making decisions about where they attend church and whether to leave church and go to a different church is that they assume whatever church they're in at the moment is basically exactly like all other churches everywhere, Mm -hmm. only maybe a little bit better. So if I went everywhere else, it'd be basically the same, maybe probably not quite as good. Uh, part of our job uh, is uh, networking with churches and plugging people into churches. So we go to churches and visit them to see what they're doing, to, to evaluate whether they'd be a good fit for our program, and so that we could uh, plug people into their church. Uh, as such, we see hundreds of churches. We go to church all different denominations, different parts of town, different ethnic neighborhoods, all of that. And here's what I can tell you. The quality varies wildly from one church to the other. And uh, to the point that's been made already here, 
all of these shirts have their own unique strengths and weaknesses. Um, that doesn't mean, again, to... I really want to jump on the point that Matt was making earlier. We're not talking about good versus bad. We we can have that discussion. We can do that. But um, give you a, a quick example. We had a guy who was doing some juvenile prison ministry here in the area. Great guy. Loved the Lord. Loved uh, working with those juvies behind bars. Was doing great work with them. He happened to attend a megachurch. And a megachurch... Um, uh, would would sort of pay lip service to that they thought what he was doing was great. Uh, they actually swooped in, took a very large measure of credit for the work that he was doing there, even though they had absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with it. He was okay with that because it was just promoting that something cool is happening sure. and getting other people to volunteer. And then he suggested, well, maybe they could uh, help with their vast, vast financial resources that they had. Uh, to do a very small thing here or there to help uh, that that uh, juvenile prison ministry to move forward, uh, that they could help by providing a meeting space so that they could have training meetings and do that kind of stuff. And what he found was uh, their perspective on that was, uh, screw you. And it really bothered him. I mean, it just ate him up inside. And he put up with that month after month after month year after year and he i i'd take him to to dinner and we'd sit down and he'd go through it and i'd say hey buddy i i if i'm in your position i'd be twice as mad as you are now so i'm not i'm not judging you uh, but you tell me when is it going to be time to to leave and he said this exact same thing to me he said well yeah but it's just the same everywhere else and i said dude no no you are wrong you've you've just said a wrong thing you have no idea what you're talking about, and you are wrong about this thing you have said. You need to go home and sit in your chair and stare into space and think, wow, I have never been so wrong about anything in my whole life. Because you are wrong. That is wrong. Also, how do you, how would you even determine that? Like, have you been in other churches? No, this is the only church I've ever belonged to. Okay, you don't know anything about how, do, where, how does that thought take shape in your brain? That is so wrong. This is how I encourage people. So he, um, <laughs> he, he, I, I said, look, I'm going to give you one church, just one church. I'm going to give you the address and the time to go there. I want you to go to that one church, and I want you to, to simply go walk up to the pastor of that church after the service, introduce yourself, give him your name, and tell him what you do with the juveniles there. If you like what happens next... You've got a new church. If you don't like it, I'll shut up. I'll get out of your face. He really super didn't want to do that, but he agreed to it. And he he uh, he went to this uh, church service, and it was exactly what Lee was talking about. Warm, loving, family environment, just very authentic, much, much smaller, of course, much more intimate. This, this preacher was very, just a sweethearted guy. One of those guys who just hits a nail on the head every time he preaches. Very simple, very straightforward. Uh, and he, he goes up to him afterwards and, and says, Pastor, uh, uh, you know, I'm visiting your church for the first time. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know if it's time for me to leave my old church, but uh, you know, here's what I do. I work with juveniles down at the thing and do a, a prison ministry. And the pastor kind of looks at him and says, oh, that's great. I actually do similar kind of stuff. We have a whole team of guys. We go to do an adult facility. Uh, we also volunteer over at this 
a homeless shelter. We're doing some stuff with uh, guys in a halfway house. So, yeah, I think you'd, you'd fit right in here, man. We, we, that would be great. We'd love to have like a juvenile prison ministry component to that. We kind of like network together and fold it all into the thing. This dude thought he had died and gone to heaven. It was like, oh, my, I didn't know it could be like this. And again, this is not that the old church was bad and this one was good, even though that's definitely what it was. It was that this was an infinitely better fit for this dude. And I think that's what you have to, to look at that. Oh, off of that, let me pivot and make another real simple point real quick. Uh, I feel a burden because I do work with pastors to tell their side of this and, and the perspective they would want us to, to make sure we're putting forth, which is to ask yourself, are you getting out more than what you put in or less than what you put in? Mm-hmm. In a lot of churches, uh, you, you, people are griping and having lots of high expectations, but they're not really investing in the life of the church very much. Right? They're saying, this church ain't doing the... You know, well, yeah, but you're not doing anything. You're not showing up. You're not participating. You're not getting involved in the life of the church. And you're expecting church to do something amazing for you. Uh, if you're if you're putting a lot in and you're not getting much back at all, like like this brother I'm telling you about, there are churches who are dying to have you. Yeah, right. So uh, move on. Go go find those churches because they they'd love to have you. Uh, if you're if you're staying when things are dysfunctional along the lines of what Jed was talking about, ask yourself why you want to stay. What's the draw? What's the thing? Is it you don't want to look like you're a dissenting voice? Is it that you don't want to? Uh, uh, do you think it would be bad or perceived to be bad to leave that church? Uh, is there a human loyalty that's trumping a loyalty to God? There, you know, mm. uh, this this pastor led me to the Lord, and I have to stay here no matter what. That's not written in the Bible. That's not what God's calling you to do. So uh, let's look at our motives in, in this thing as to what might be keeping us there uh, that is superseding our need, as Jed was to- talking about, uh, to have our needs be met there. It's a really fantastic point. I would tack on the, the point you were making uh, about from the looking at this from the church's perspective, which you may have picked up on this show. Uh, we're not really keen on defending the church's perspective, but right. it must be said here, those three things that Jed started us off with are all absolutely right. That's the things you want to look at in your church, but you also need to look at, are you pursuing those yep. and then not getting them? Right. That's right. <clears throat> because there's, there's something a little different of, you know, you, you do want uh, fellowships, a good example of, you know, it's good to want that. Are you pursuing that at all? Are you showing up to the, to the group? Are you in any way stepping outside your comfort zone to do this? Because that, if that's the case, as you're saying, then go to a new church where there are people who are willing to engage you in that way. If you're not, and you move to a new church, um, I guarantee you're going to have the exact same problems. Because mm-hmm. you're never going to hit a situation where a pastor just comes up to you and says, I insist that you feel fellowshipped, and I'm just going to go to your house right. and pick you up, and make we're right. just going to throw you in a van and fellowship you. Right. <laughs> because... Um, even if they're not uh, jerky megachurch pastors, at least pointing out, uh, most people in ministry have a pretty full schedule. So if they ask you, how you doing there? You say, yeah, I'm doing great, pastor. They're probably going to move on to the next person because there's somebody right. in that room who's going to say, I got problems and situations, right. and why don't you yeah. do your freaking job and let's sit down and talk about it. Right. There's a lot to that squeaky wheel thing, man. As yeah, a, yeah. As a pastor, if you've got a, if you've got a thing, say it, because you know that's where, that's where the time gets allocated, as you're saying. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that also really helps the decisions this way. If you're wondering, well, is is it is is this just me or am I making stuff up? It's a really easy litmus test to say I went to, and that could be the head pastor, that could be the associator, your small group leader, whatever it is. Someone said, mm-hmm. you know, I'd like to sit down and and just it, it doesn't have to be a big problem. You say, you know, I've never, we've never had any one on one time. I'd love to sit down and just talk to you about church stuff and all that. And if they say, well, we can schedule in three months from now, then yeah, you kind of have your right. answer. Right. So the in a, a big way, these are some ways to kind of draw that decision in starker light is also if the church is going to be good for you, that's going to set you toward solving these problems. So it's a win either way, really. But it does take that moment of saying, I'm going to have a a small moment of courage, a small moment of stepping out of the anonymity back rowness that some of us, and that's what I want at church. I'm going to be honest. But uh, when you need more, you got to ask for more as the first step. We're going to move on to our final question here. This one came in anonymously. It says, I've been wondering what's the devil's full story? Because some preachers just say anything and everything wrong is the devil's fault, but never go much into detail about why he is pure evil or what his motivation is. Thank you for any help. So we need to super go into the Paradise Lost style backstory. The reality is in the Bible, there's actually not a lot about the devil's um, biography there, but Glenn, and I'd love to start with you. I think this is something we actually don't talk about in the podcast very much, and I think it is a good one because the idea of the devil, uh, Mama says everything is the devil. Right. Um, <laughs> but that kind of gets thrown around in some ways that if you uh, don't get a sense of what it really is, it can be used in some weird ways. So yeah. what, what's the real deal so we know what the, the not real deal is? Well, yeah, and I, I would uh, I, I entered this on uh, on the blog there, and I put uh, some Bible references mm-hmm. there, and it's it's worth not only finding those and reading them, but you know, to to look at this stuff for yourself, not just to take yeah. our word for it, because we're we're now going to tell you what's in those verses. But I I want you to see it for yourself. Um, the the first thing we we, we want to know about his biography, so to speak, is that uh, he the, uh, Satan rebelled against God, and because he wanted to be in charge, right? So the essence of Satan, the, the, his essential nature is, I want to be in charge, not God. This relates, of course, perfectly to the first question that we looked at today about being uh, servant and willful and wanting to do things our own way. So, uh, but I think we have the sense that if, if Satan could wish for anything in the world, if you gave him his, his, his greatest wish, he would say, I want a Christian person to do a naughty thing. Mm-hmm. That's not at all what that. That's not his agenda. That's not his goal. You can do in 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 other words, if God is saying I want you to go and help your neighbor, and the devil can convince you to stay home and read your Bible, then for you reading the Bible has become a sin for you today in that circumstance. Uh, and along those lines. Uh, uh, it's a frequent technique that the devil uses to sell religion in that mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Bible says that uh, Satan comes disguised as an angel of light. That means his trick is to look holier than any of these messy Christians who live an authentic and real and rough uh, life where it's not looking very holy. His trick is fake holiness and counterfeit religiosity. That's his main thing he's selling you on. So that thing that you want to be where you know all your Bible and everyone thinks you're the super holiest person, 
that's actually kind of more what the devil's trying to sell you on. Uh, so uh, uh, we need to recognize that it's about getting away from that religiosity. And a big part of that religiosity that he is selling uh, it centers around his actual name, which means uh, the accuser. The, the, the Bible verse uh, that I list in, in that blog post says that he, he was an accuser from the beginning, this idea that mm-hmm. uh, he's, he's constantly accusing us of not living up to a holy standard and so forth. So the idea is when you feel yourself racked with guilt, that voice that's telling you you are a terrible person who's done a terrible thing and you should be crushed by the weight of your sin, that's actually the devil. Yep. <laughs> he is accusing you and making you feel really bad about your sin. Uh, he and, and, and that feeling of holiness that you have, that just... Holy guilt is so guilt is so holy, it's so religious and so spiritual. That's the devil's game right there. He's got you right where he wants you, because you're you're focused on this one thing that you're doing wrong, but you're not focused on working out a closer relationship with God. You're not focused on doing the things that He's asking you to do. You're simply isolated on one thing you're doing wrong, obsessing about it to the point of it eclipsing everything else. And if you can finally do that thing right, you that becomes your testimony, and you can't wait to tell everybody about it and brag about it, and now your, your head is swollen about it, and now this has become a source of pride, and then you fall off on that, and here he comes back being the accuser all over again. God doesn't have any leadership over any of that. That's what he's trying to work out here. Final thing is, uh, the devil always attacks our weakest link. Uh, that means, uh, whenever, uh, uh, what, on whatever frequency the devil is coming in on, I can I can bet that that's a weakness that I didn't know about and that I didn't have on my radar. Uh, so. Uh, if I, I think we talked recently about our bridge service. And we had like a week where there was just a lot of disruptions and it really bothered me. It just really got under my skin. It really bummed me out. And, you know, my attitude was, I just want this to be smooth sailing. And I don't, I don't want any more bumpy road. You know, I don't, I don't like that. Well, that's, that's, not, um, that's not the godly attitude. The godly attitude is God give me strength to handle whatever road I go down, whether it's bumpy or not. Right. Uh, I, I'm not. Uh, it's, it's not a reasonable thing for me to go to the Lord and say, "I just want everything to work out for me because I, I don't want any bummers in my life." That's. I, I, I need to be strengthened up. I need to have that character. I need to rise up. That's a weakness within me, and the devil is is attacking that weakness. He's going to keep attacking that weakness until I get to a point of strength where I say, "Hey, whether it's bumpy or not, it's going to be what it's going to be." Uh, and Lord, strengthen me up so it doesn't take me off my square. It doesn't distract me. It doesn't wear me out. So the devil helps us in this way by pointing out to what to yeah. us what our weaknesses are, and that that highlights what we need to work on. So even that can be made to to be in service to God. A really great point. And Lee, if you can pick us up there, and Glenn is talking <coughs> very rightly about uh, the attack the the. Uh, areas of attack. Let's talk about the line of attack and how do we, I think one of the things we can best know about uh, the way the enemy works in order to resist it is 
when we can start to recognize the feelings and the ideas that indicate that this that's where this is coming from. Yeah, I I love all that stuff that that Glenn started on, and I and, and I would point out another thing that the Lord says about the enemy is He says the devil is a liar, and he's been lying yep. from the beginning. He says when he when he lies, he speaks his native tongue, and I I think that's an amazing statement that Jesus made because, uh, like for me for the past a couple of years, I've been working really, really hard on trying to uh, trying to learn another language, and it is a slow, difficult process. And whenever I'm in a conversation with someone who speaks that language, my brain is working so hard to try to remember things that I know and try to say things well. And then when I uh, when I come out of a conversation with somebody that speaks that language, and I go back to somebody that speaks English. It's this relief of like, I don't even have to try. I, the words are just flowing out of my face because it's my native tongue. This is my native language. And so when Jesus says that Satan, his native language is lying, I mean, how instructive is that to us about the way that he messes with us? What he does is he's lying to me. The frequency all the time is lies. And the lies are, I don't know about everybody else, but I know that they come at me in certain ways. One is he lies to me about myself so that I'm so that I get discouraged and down on myself. Like Glenn said, I have a lot. They always hit the same notes of the reasons I should feel guilty, the reasons I should feel ashamed of myself, the reasons I should stay isolated and not tell anybody of what I'm going through. Um, and then he lies to me about other people so that I will judge and hate them and be envious of them. And he lies to me about Jesus so that I won't trust him. It's just a spew of stuff that comes in that if I was to if I was to say it out loud to a friend, if I was to say to to Glenn or to Matt or to Jed, hey, uh, I, I just thought this thing. Is that does that make any sense? And they, you know, and, and sometimes when you air that stuff out, that that's when you could feel Satan saying, no, 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 don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody, because it's yes. so stupid that if yeah. you tell it, if it gets any oxygen whatsoever, everybody's going to be able to to poke holes through it. No, 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 just keep it quiet. Keep it in your own head. He just, he lies to keep you discouraged, despondent. He wants to keep you inactive in the kingdom of God. Um, and, and, and Glenn's right. Sometimes uh, inactive in the building of the kingdom of God is to keep you buried in the books. <laughs> yeah. That is, and it's that classic thing of if he, if he can't pull you out, he'll just push you in further. But he also wants to keep you isolated. He wants to keep you out of fellowship, yes. and he wants yes. to keep you in your own head, and he wants to keep you upset. He wants mm-hmm. you upset, just mm-hmm. pissed at people, pissed at yourself. I'm so disappointed yep. in myself. I should be better by now. I hate that person. Every time that I'm around them, I feel this and that and the other thing, and I can't be around Jesus. Jesus never hooks me up. Never. Do- it just upset isolated, discouraged, despondent, and it's all lies. And if you were to air it out with a friend, if you were to air it out with the Lord, then you would see through it. But that's the thing is, as long as we can stay isolated, we'll believe that stuff. It's a really fantastic point. And Jed, can you pick us up there and maybe a couple more of these uh, red flags? Absolutely. These fellows have very strongly covered it. 
Um, just to, to repeat and to summarize, uh, there's a purpose for your life. Uh, the devil will say or do whatever it takes for you to not live out that purpose. Yep. That's mm-hmm. it. Yep. Um, so uh, the thing about him is he can't make you do anything. Uh, he doesn't have that power. So he's a salesman by definition. Yep. The only right. person that can, tr- that can keep you from doing the things God has for you is you. Right. He right. doesn't have that power. He has to convince yeah. you to make the wrong choice. So given that he's a salesman and that's what he does, uh, we need to ask, do we understand sales? Do we understand how you sell people on things? And there are three things that are used in all sales that the devil uses constantly. The first is belittling. Most of the advertising that you see basically says, you're not good enough. You are lacking. But if you had this, (laughs) then you'd be squared away. Yeah. Devil does that to you all day, every day. He tells you, you're not a good Christian. You're not a good person. You're no good. But if you had this other thing, if you did this thing, then you'd really have this sorted out. All right. The other big half of advertising is all flattery. It's, it's the reverse. Given what an amazing person you are, don't you deserve the new Lexus A, B, C, D, E, F, G? All right. The devil does that too. <laughs> Haven't you been working hard? Yeah. Haven't you been given this? Don't you deserve some nice, delicious crack cocaine? (laughs) Doesn't that sound like it would go down smooth? (laughs) All right. So he alternates between belittling and flattery. He just and he'll switch it on a dime. That's right. Whatever it takes, it doesn't matter. The goal is that you pull the trigger and and buy the thing. That's that's what matters. But there's one more that he does that again all good salespeople do, and that's something called upselling. Here's how upselling works. Every time you go to a fast food place, you say, I'd like a sandwich. And they say, do you want fries with that? You say, I'd like a sandwich. So you want chips and a drink with that? Make it a combo for $2 more. That's that's an upsell. You're already buying X. We want to sell you X plus one. That's the, and right. the, here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with that. That's how commerce works. But mm-hmm. every time you go to McDonald's or any fast food place, they are upselling you. You came to buy a sandwich. They want to sell you fries and drink. Well, the devil does that constantly too. So, Anytime, just as an example, you go through your day and you see somebody and you think a lustful thought. Later on in that day, when it's just you and your computer, he's going to say, you know, given that you've already messed up on lust today, what's the difference, man? Your computer's right there. Let's get after it, buddy. You, you deserve a little treat. And plus, you're already in the hole, man. Yeah. You already messed up. This day's up. already a wash. You're exactly right. Yeah. This day's a loss. Go yeah. nuts. Go buck wild. <laughs> you're already having a hamburger and some fries in there, mm. big guy. Come on. Might as well finish smoking the bag of weed and then repent tomorrow. Absolutely. First thing tomorrow, <laughs> we're repenting. Real <laughs> things people have said to Glenn. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and to that point, it, <laughs> it's, it's an old... Old preacher's line, but it's true. Devil doesn't care if you do the right thing, as long as you don't do it today. That's Hello. right. That's yeah. right. Um, devil's a salesman. He will do anything to sell you. But the, also, there's there's a thing. Uh, we've talked about a lot of dark stuff here for the last 10 minutes. It Also, there's a bit of hope here, which is to say, devil can't make you do anything. Mm-mm. He just doesn't have that power. You're going to slip and slide. You're going to fumble and stumble because you're human, and, and we all do. But if you insist on working things out with the Lord and getting that good church community in your life so you're getting fed spiritually, you've got good fellowship and a place to serve, he actually can't keep you down. He can, he can knock the wind out of you, and he can make things harder, but he can't keep you down. So um, let your focus be on the Lord and getting closer to him, um, and you'll get where you're going. Amen. I think that's fantastic. It's also Amen. the perfect place to end this, is that uh, the 
pop the perception that some people try to put out there of the devil is this very powerful being who wants to draw you into perdition and naughtiness is it's not really it. He's he's kind of an annoyance and to see uh the temptations as not trying to make you do something, not trying to make your life bad, not try to expose you as a bad person, but just to hold you off from this one thing yep. that God really wants for you, really helps contextualize what these guys have been saying. And that is, as Jed said, a good news place to land. All right, if you have a question for us, say the podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. We're taking a song this week from our friends Pete and Tasha Law. Pete and Tasha Lawson. She's my friend and I know her name. Uh, <laughs> this is called Flowing From My Heart. This is from our November yeah. edition of Bridgewater's Take Out That. Thanks Ooh. for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Let's say that podcast. Wishing you season's gripings. Join the Gripes Giving Reformation. Truth. No.